This week on Business Brief, we'll hear about a new effort to strengthen the food supply chain in the Midwest. Then, we'll look at the difficulties some international students in the U.S. are facing as they try to find jobs after graduation. Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. My name is Siggy Reese, and I'm joined by my co-host, Teddy Mallorca. Teddy, how are you doing this week? Siggy, I am doing well. It's a bit bittersweet to be here uh, in the booth for the Business Brief with you for the last time. But uh, we got a great show today, and uh, as always, happy to be here on the podcast with you. How are you doing, Siggy? You know, I'm feeling a little sad as well. It's definitely been such a great time, you know, hosting this for, I think, almost a year now. Um, So it's definitely bittersweet to wrap things up, but... Like you said, we have a great final show as host today, and um, yeah, I can't wait to get into it. Well, let's get into this week's headlines for one last time. Let's do it. The annual rate of inflation dropped to 4.9% through April, its lowest level in two years. The rate of price increases was slightly below what economists predicted for April, but inflation remains well above the Federal Reserve Bank's target of 2%. Fed officials have been pushing to reduce inflation through consistent interest rate hikes. Last week's increase marked the 10th time the central bank has raised borrowing costs since last March. The Missouri General Assembly is set to wrap up its annual legislative session on Friday. In the closing days of the session, the legislature passed a state budget totaling over $50 billion. Lawmakers also passed two bills that would limit gender-affirming health care and sports participation for transgender youth. As of Thursday, it was still unclear if a bill legalizing sports wagering would make it past the Senate. Missouri surpassed $1 billion in legal cannabis sales as of last week. This includes recreational and medical marijuana, beginning with the state's first medical marijuana sales in October 2020. Recreational marijuana became available for sale in February. Since then, Missouri businesses have sold over $250 million in recreational cannabis. This past month, dispensaries made around $91 million in cannabis sales, a similar number to March's nearly $94 million. U.S. corporate bankruptcies through April hit a level not seen since 2010. There were 54 corporate bankruptcy positions. There were 54 corporate bankruptcy petitions last month and 70 in March. That brings the total through April to nearly 240, double the number seen a year ago. Consumer discretionary companies are bearing the brunt of this trend as the sector has seen more corporate bankruptcies than any other sector this year. Our next story is about the food supply chain. Oh, the supply chain, a popular topic here on Business Brief the last few years. Yes, indeed. Right between COVID-19 disruptions and recent surges in egg prices, we've definitely covered plenty of supply chain issues. So what is going on now? Well, earlier this month, federal agriculture officials announced the creation of a dozen regional food business centers. More than $400 million will go to funding these centers, which aim to improve the resilience of the food supply chain. Interesting. And what does that mean for farmers and consumers here in Missouri? Missouri Business Alert reporter Anna Sago looked into just that. She spoke with Mary Emery at the University of Nebraska. Emery is working with several partners, including University of Missouri Extension, to create the Heartland Regional Food Business Center. Here's that conversation. So can you describe what the Heartland Regional Food Business Center project is in your own words? USDA is really interested in is 
are two things. One, COVID-19 demonstrated how fragile our supply chains are when it comes to getting healthy food to consumers. So they see strengthening small and medium-sized farmers and produ producers, processors as a important strategy for strengthening those food supply chains and making sure that people do have access to healthy foods. And secondly, um, from their point of view, there's um, a great deal of untapped possibilities if we can be more effective in reaching out to underrepresented groups to support um, farm product development, business development, and a processing development. So can you talk a little bit more about what information and services the center will provide? The center itself is not a service provider. The center's um, challenge is connecting the service provider network and building the capacity of those people through training and technical assistance to be more effective in reaching out to both the farmers who want to to get involved in local markets, local and regional markets, and farmers who want to increase production. How do we create a system that connects people so we don't end up with people starting someplace and then they can't find the next step or being um, connected to the wrong service at the wrong time in their journey to have a successful business? The real work of the center is increasing the capacity at the on the ground level to reach out to um, existing and prospective farmers and, and processors. Um, what do you hope the long and short term effects of this project will be? Well, short term, I think we're we'll be using an intentional networking strategy to kind of find as many of these puzzle pieces we can and bring them together to put that that puzzle picture together so we can see how how to operate as a system as opposed to little programs here or there. SourceLink here in Nebraska has been doing some of that work. So we already have some existing systems we don't want to duplicate, but we can um, we can work with to, to increase this picture of the whole system and how we work together to support each other through that system. Um, and then long-term is really, we want to increase the number of small and medium farmers who are successfully producing products for people in that in the region. So increasing the, the number of small and medium farmers, but equally important, I think, how do we increase the number of small and medium processors? So we have people growing food, and some of that food we want to get to markets. So how might an average Missouri consumer someday feel the effects of this project? With COVID-19, the CSA markets started to expand. So how can we connect people in those markets to uh, more processors and more producers? Um, and um, really working on that market with um, local grocery stores and restaurants to help them find access to local foods that they can put on their shelves or they can put on their diner's plates. For our next story, we are joined by reporter Heather Wang. Heather, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me here. 
Thanks so much for being on the podcast. So you reported about international students at the University of Missouri and Washington University and about how difficult it is for them to find jobs here after they graduate. How did the story come about? Well, you know, I have noticed on social media that many international students have a hard time finding jobs. Some of them shared their experience on LinkedIn. One Chinese student I know who's looking for a job as a data analyst said he applied for over 500 jobs and none of them gave him an offer. And also because I'm an international student, I know how hard it is for us to find a company to sponsor you and help you to get a visa that allows you to work in the U.S. It is a very long and complicated process, and that's why I wanted to write this story. And you wrote that it's always harder for international students to find jobs compared with American students because of visa restrictions. What did you hear from your sources? Well, you know, I talked to a health informatics student from Nigeria. She told me that she was rejected for internship by a company only because of her student visa. Even though she didn't need any visa sponsorship at all because she could legally work during the three months internship, that company still reject her and even didn't want to learn her expertise. I also talked with a human resource professor from the University of Missouri who said many employers hesitate to hire international students because of the long, complicated visa process. He said those companies probably just don't want to go through all the paperwork. I understand from your story that many international students are seeking jobs in tech companies that could help them get H-1B visas. Could you tell us more about this? Oh, yeah. H-1B visas allow U.S. employers to hire foreign workers with specialized skills like data analysis or advanced coding. However, the job market is particularly difficult for the international students now because of the number of people seeking H-1B visas to work in the U.S. is rising. At the same time, the number of jobs at big tech companies decline because of the layoffs. Also, because of the layoffs, some senior employees are back into the job market again. Now, they're looking for jobs in medium-skill or small-skill companies while competing with fresh grads with specialized skills but no experience. And what's it like for newly graduated international students looking for a job here in Missouri? Well, you know, the job market in Missouri is also very competitive because of the high demand and the low supply. According to one database that looks through, there are nearly 400 H-1B sponsored companies in Missouri, and each company will hire an average of one or two international students in 2023. But there are way more international students here in Missouri. According to a report from Missouri State Government in 2019, there were over 22,000 international students in Missouri, and that number might be even higher today. So how many international students are there in the U.S., and are there a lot of them who want to find a job and stay here rather than go back home after they graduate? I found that there's nearly 1 million international students enroll in American college every year. Around 66% of international students prefer to stay and work in the U.S. I asked them why. Why do they, why do they want to stay here, even though it's really, really hard to stay here right now? They told me because of the culture here, the freedom, and to be frank, the higher income. Probably if they went back to their home countries, they wouldn't get paid nearly that much money. And what has it been like for you to report this story being an international student? Well, you know, I always know it is hard for us to find a job, but I didn't realize it was that hard. After I finished the job, I was like, oh my God, I have to work hard and find an internship this summer because the job market is so competitive. And luckily, I got one. 
So I'm going to work for a nonprofit organization this summer in DC, and then I'm going to pursue my master degree at Northeastern University in Boston. Then I will jump into the job market, and honestly, I'm not ready for that. And if I own a small or medium-sized tech company here in Missouri, why should I consider hiring a recently graduated international student? Well, I will say like the diversity is always good for a company. And also, I talked with like the human resource professor from the University of Missouri. He told me sometimes hire international students. It's not only about like diversity. It's help your company to to open another market. For example, if if you hire a Mandarin speaker in your newsroom, you probably can you know break into the Chinese community market to like to deliver the information in Mandarin. You have more audience. So for even for medium and small size company, I really hope there will be more H one B sponsorship in Missouri. You know, just give us a chance. We probably will give you more than you thought. Well, Heather, thanks so much for taking the time to talk. You can read more of Heather's reporting at MissouriBusinessAlert.com. It is now time for us to get into our words of the week. Teddy, what's your word this week? Siggy, this week my word is naloxone. Okay, and for those who aren't familiar, can you explain what naloxone is? Sure. Naloxone, branded as Narcan, is a nasal spray that can save the life of someone experiencing an opioid overdose. In March, the Food and Drug Association approved the medication for over-the-counter use. Got it. And that has made Narcan easier to access, right? Correct. So the medication can now be sold at grocery stores and gas stations across the state. It could be available at these locations beginning this summer. And how will this availability impact Missourians? Well, the increased availability of the medication could help reduce deaths caused by drug overdoses, which reached an all-time high in the U.S. in 2021. That's all I've got this week. What's your word, Siggy? My word is pretty packaging. Okay, so why are we talking about packaging today and pretty packaging specifically? So state regulators support less attractive labeling when it comes to cannabis products. Some argue that plain packaging reduces the appeal of the product to adolescents. The Missouri Constitution also states that cannabis products should not be made to appeal to children. Got it. So what would state regulators want packaging to look like instead? So the proposed plain packaging would be similar to those used for cigarettes or medication, but some are in opposition of the proposed change. So who's against the different packaging? That would be the Missouri Cannabis Trade Association. The industry group argues the changes would be unreasonable and burdensome, but the changes aren't new information, according to the state health department. A spokesperson says the department notified cannabis companies that there would be packaging changes after Amendment Three passed last November. Well, instead of our traditional closing thought this week, we wanted to give some updates on where we'll be post business brief. Teddy, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So uh, it has been a really wonderful year uh, sitting here with you, Siggy, doing the business brief.、Um, it's been been a fantastic time and love the show. But we will be passing the baton this summer off to amazing new hosts,、um, and we will be stepping into some new roles over the summer. I will be、uh, stepping into a remote position with USA Today as a graphics reporter. And Siggy, why don't you give us an update on what you'll be up to? Sure. So I will actually be leaving Missouri for a little bit. I'll be over in Washington D.C.、Um, as a reporting intern for the Capitol Forum, and I'm super excited to get started there. But of course, I will dearly miss my time on Business Brief. Yeah. Thank you so much to the Missouri Business Alert and our editors Skylar Rossi, Michael Stacy, and so many other names.、Um, it would be too many to think of all. But thank you to everybody who's made this possible. 
And uh, let's get into our outro. Let's do it. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing music for this episode. From my co-host, Titty Mallorca, editors Emma Boyle, Elena Fu, Nick Knoll, Skylar Rossi, and Michael Stacy. I'm Siggy Reese, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening. <laughs>